When officers receive two calls about the same murder, it's a little weird. The fact that the second call was made only two minutes after the first is strange. But when both men claim to have been in the house and both found the victim dead, it's just a little too coincidental for me. But we know this for sure. Someone is definitely lying. Someone is definitely getting locked up. And Helen is definitely going to say, who is this to every suspect I mention? We are your hosts, Sherry Ferreira. And Helen Allen. This is The Chalk Line. Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday. I hope you didn't feel personally attacked by my intro, but I just, I, there's a lot of players in you this know, case. It's not that I feel personally attacked. <laughs> But you did make me feel a little famous. Um, <laughs> because only a famous person is so predictable. Right? And how's you like a catchphrase? You know my every move because you must listen to my podcast. <laughs> I must be a fan. You must. This week's case is in Andover, Minnesota. The year is 1991 and it's early Friday morning, like 3 a.m. early. Okay. That's night for me, but whatever. <laughs> I love when people say it's early Friday morning. It's like, what do you mean, 8 8 a.m.? Right. It's 3 a.m. That's Thursday night. Sorry. (laughs) I actually got so confused reading, like, the, um, through the research and stuff, because it was, like, Thursday night, Friday morning. I'm like, just, just give me the time. Just tell me the time, and then, then the date, I guess. Or, I don't know. Don't even do that. (laughs) Whatever. Continue. (laughs) Officers get a call from Larry Fleck saying that he is at his fiance's house, and she's dead. His fiance was Pamela Sweeney, and she was 35 at the time. Pamela had been divorced, and she had a kid from this previous marriage, too. And her son is Tony. He was five years old, and everyone says he was the most important thing to her. Mm. Her stepfather, Bob, describes her as full of life, which I know for a fact, because in the Forensic Files episode I watched, there was this picture of her and Larry on, like, this, like, huge motorcycle. And, like, in my head, they had on leather. Like, they were just bad. That's why I picture that. That's like literally Dominique and her boyfriend. <laughs> I could never I be a cool motorcycle girl. Right? I'd be like, ooh, this is... <laughs> I'm I not smell gonna danger. Right? I'm not going. <laughs> I'd be the person next to the motorcycle for sure. Yeah. No, for real. Okay, so she's cool. Yeah, definitely cool. She had been working as a secretary for a computer company. Okay, smart. Just right? taking notes Just over here. No. <laughs> cool, check. Yeah, smart, smart, check. check. And she had recently said yes to Larry's proposal. And to Larry, by all accounts, she was fine. To Larry, by all accounts, she was fine? Like, he means, like... Like, later on in the investigation, they try to, like, ask him um, for suspects and stuff. Because at this... If we're jumping to present day, he did just find her murdered. So he doesn't know of a reason why this could have happened or who could have done it. Okay. Because when you're like... But... To Larry, by all accounts, she's fine. I'm like, fine, check. She is fine. (laughs) Fine. Fine. (laughs) Larry worked as a construction worker, so he had crazy hours, which is how he ended up visiting Pamela at 3 a.m. Thank God Tony was not there that night because Pamela had actually told her parents that she wasn't really feeling too well. So she asked them to watch Tony for her, and she even called out of work that day. Okay. Um, Does she live with Larry? No. Okay, so he's, like, just 
I mean, sleeping over, like, after work? Yeah. Okay. So, Pamela just wanted to have a chill night, maybe take a bath, but it's clear that she wanted to relax. So, with Tony staying at her parents, Pamela called Larry to see what time he was coming home. Larry insists that he'd be home late, and he's like, I don't know why you want me over so late. Like, it's 3 a.m. But Pamela was very insistent that he come over that night regardless. Okay. Um, do we know, like, specifically why we know this like did larry tell us this is there like a text message that we've seen what year is this 1991 okay so no text message no no text <laughs> message um larry doesn't know too much either honestly he's in the dark and he's just but, like, like did she call him is that what he's saying yeah he she okay. called him. i just want to know how we have the information that she was so insistent on him going yeah she was because you know i'm him. sniffing him out yeah already. oh already yeah you know I so know okay you. i know you okay it's okay And this brings us to present day. Larry says he got there at 3 a.m. when he is um, talking to police. This is like his recount of everything that he saw. Mm -hmm. He said he saw blood spattered across the bedroom, specifically on the headboard. And he saw a body rolled up in a blanket on the bed. Now, the body was lying across the bed. And when he approached it to take a look, he saw that it was Pamela. Okay. When you say across the bed, do you mean like... Like, opposite of where you would lay your head. Okay, so interesting that the blood is on the headboard then. Was the body moved? Yes. Okay. Larry says when he realized it was Pamela, he ran to neighbors to call police because he thought the killer was still there. And on the call, he does sound distressed, at least to me. And he says, she's dead. She is cut all to hell. Ooh, kind of an interesting way to put that. Yeah. Larry also tells officers that he saw a man in front of her yard that he didn't recognize. So he hangs up and just two minutes later, they get another call. This call is made by Pamela's co-worker, Patrick Walsh. He says, there's been somebody killed. He's saying this um, to like the dispatcher. And Where is he? He is inside. Uh, Actually, okay. So it's confusing whether this call came from inside the home or if it came from him outside of the home i think it'll become clear as we get through the story okay so which would explain him being hmm, outside a little bit but not really a great look because larry had said he thought the killer might still be in the home so the second phone call huh i know i was on to larry but now i'm on to patrick it's everything i was gonna say peculiar when have i ever said peculiar it's peculiar But it's definitely, like, it's weird. I'm on right? my side about that. Right? It's <laughs> weird. So Patrick reports that it is Pamela Sweeney. He said that he spent the night at a bar called Old Piper Inn drinking and playing pull tabs. I have no idea what that is. I, it just sounds like a Hallmark movie. Yeah. He said on his way home he was driving by Pamela's house and saw her front, like, porch lights were on. So he decided to just stop by and check on her because... If you remember, she had called out of work that day and they had been like um, working together for eight to ten years now. So they developed some sort of like rapport. Yeah, rapport, I guess. I feel like, okay, he's driving home at like, what is this, 3 a.m. also? Yeah. If I saw someone's porch lights on at 3 a.m., I wouldn't be like, what the hell are they up to? I would be like, oh, maybe there's somebody that leaves their porch lights on at night. Yeah. Because my mom does that. That's not weird. Like... I don't it's even... kind of like to show like, hey, someone's home. You can't break into this house. You know what I mean? So I feel like... It's kind of like a be aware thing. Like, I can't even attribute that to it being like 1991, I feel like. 
I just think it's no, weird I just by think all it's like, means. I think it's just a thing that people do, like, leaving porch lights on. So it's, like, bizarre to me that he immediately thought, like, let me check on her. There might be some issue that her porch lights are on. Yeah. I agree. Patrick worked in the same company as Pamela, except he was a computer operator and was more of a supervisor. Okay. He says that he came in and saw her in the same position, shook her to see if she was still alive, then ran to call the police. Okay, so he is letting them know he put his hands on her. Just saying. Which will... will, will He's crafting an alibi, mm-hmm. but just saying. Okay. <clears throat> and, I mean, I don't it, think it's Patrick yet. I don't have all the information. <laughs> but he smells weird yeah. to me right now. And that's okay. It's fine. I mean, both men do get questioned because... Even police are like, they're both. Who who are who the they're hell are both dumb. of you? They're exactly. Not they're not dumb. They're the prime suspects, whether they're like officially written down as that or not. Um, but I also wanted to just clear some things up. So both of these men, Larry and Patrick, did not know each other. Their only connection or like link was just through knowing Pamela. And both men were at her house at 3 a.m. I wonder if like Pamela felt that she was in danger that night. And I wonder if, like, that's why she had her son go to her parents' house. That's why she told Larry, like, you must come over. Mm-hmm. Um, because she wanted, like, kind of a witness. But also that could be a very convenient thing for Larry to say that she said... That she wanted me over. Like, I was supposed to be there anyway. It's for, yeah. sort of like another the, a way to sell, set up an alibi. Yeah, or even, like, to say, like... I can't be the bad guy because I'm the guy she wanted there, mm-hmm. you know? I'm the fiancé. <clears throat> yeah, it's Literally. just little old me with a ring. Right. <laughs> Larry talking to officers. Who, <laughs> little old me, me with this ring? <laughs> this rock. I couldn't have done it. That's peculiar. Larry has turned into a southern belle <laughs> with pearls on. Who am I? Okay. <laughs> when officers arrive, they take note of a couple of things. The blood spatter in the bedroom, there were bullet holes in her foyer, like impressions it made on the ground, and they noticed there was no forced entry, so her house wasn't broken into. Huh. Okay. <clears throat> so that rings weird to me, because... <laughs> You're like, uh, um... <clears throat> <clears throat> Let me get my vocal cords yeah. ready, because I'm about to break this case. Okay. <clears throat> no, but I... Okay, so my theory before was like, oh, maybe she knew she was in danger, why, if she knew she was in danger and she had asked Larry to come over, um, and Patrick was the bad guy, let's say, in this situation. Okay. Um, if she goes to the door and sees it's Patrick, she's not going to open it. Exactly. She feels like she's in danger. So if there's no forced entry, she probably didn't feel like she was in danger that night. And she probably didn't know to be cautious of who she let in. Hyper aware. I think if she, I think maybe... It wasn't a full-on feeling. I think maybe she thought something bad would happen, but not to the point where she would have to, like, remove herself to not even be there to begin with, let's say. Like, Mm -hmm. why not just go stay with your parents? Well, it's even, like, I don't know. You hear those stories, like, every once in a blue moon of someone, like, right before they died, they were like, today's going to be a bad day. Yes. Like, could it be, have, could it have been something like that, I wonder? I I honestly think so. Hmm. Even after knowing what I know now, that you don't know, I think so. (laughs) All right, let's get on with it. I'm dying to know the rest so that you don't have this over me. 
<laughs> I just love it because last last week's case was so oh, bonkers. I threw for yeah. a few loops, right? So yeah, it was like, I'm and wrong. guess what? They caught him. Just kidding. Yeah, oh There's another God. suspect. <laughs> and I was drunk and pissed. I was drunk too, That's and I what? loved holding it over you. So I get it. <laughs> The officers also noticed Pamela's physical state, specifically the fact that she was completely wrapped up in a blanket and the no forced entry. They're thinking she definitely knew her killer. Mm. The M.E. reports Pamela was shot four times, then stabbed four times. Oh, my God. They questioned the family to see who they thought the suspect would be. I mean... Both Pam's mother, Betty, and her stepfather, Bob, say they thought it was her ex-husband, Mike. But this was mainly because he was a gun collector. Yeah, lock him away just for that yeah. alone. Her stepfather <laughs> says that he had, like, 30 guns either at one point or currently, like, in his house. So he was, like, red flag. It's yeah, him. I I'm think gonna, it's him. Yeah, I feel red flags by that, too. But but I'd like a full investigation. <laughs> Outside of this, I would still like a full investigation, yeah. of course. Other than that, there wasn't really any motive for Mike, and so this is kind of just dismissed. Mm -hmm. But there's not much for officers to go off of. They couldn't find the murder weapons and just had these, like, weirdo stories by these two men who knew Pamela. And that was really it. So do these men know of each other? No. Okay. I'm almost wondering if Larry did, and he's lying. In my head, I'm like, Larry knew that that guy was in the house, and Larry knew he's the killer, so he was framing him. It's an interesting theory for sure. I hate this. <laughs> Continue. So they go home that night and come back the next day or they wait until daylight. It's not really specific, but they do wait until the sun comes up. Dead. Okay. And um, when it is daylight out, they're able to see this path in the grass because it had been dewy out. So it, like, oh. left these footprints. I know, right? Next best thing after fresh snow. Mm, literally. So they follow these, like, footprints, and they leads to this wooded path behind Pamela's house, or this wooded area behind Pamela's house. There they find the knife that was literally, like, stabbed into the ground. Okay, and whoever did this had, like, a lot of issues. So much. Like, what in the world? It's 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 crazy. They also find the small revolver, and it was under, like, some loose floorboards, and obviously they were the Wait, ones. Wait, what do you mean loose floorboards? Um, In the woods? Yeah. What were those doing there? He thought that was going to be know. a good hiding place? <laughs> like the police weren't going to check the, the wood floors He's like, I'll leave this here next to the obviously stabbed knife in the ground. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's like, you may as well have, like, put, like, a couch or something there to look less suspicious. I don't- floorboards in the woods? Why would he put the murder weapon under those as if the police aren't going to be like, hmm, these are out of place. Let me check under them. It's not a good place. And it makes me think, like, was he, like, trying to do this quickly? If we're thinking yeah. that it is either this Larry is or Patrick. This is definitely frantic and, like, weird. Exactly. So, obviously, these were the ones that were used on Pamela. They match it up. And the knife was actually one that was missing from inside her home. Okay. But both were wiped clean. Okay. In front of Pamela's home, though, they find Patrick's truck, and it was still parked there because after the phone call he made, he, like, got stuck in a ditch trying to leave. Ooh. Is that God's work? Karma? We'll see. <laughs> he was like, no, you don't. The police are on their way. <laughs> he just suddenly grew grass <laughs> in that one spot. 
<laughs> he was like, nope. Chains sprout up from the ground and wrap around his car. <laughs> Some haunt. He's like, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> you get what you get. And so investigators are like, the truck's there. Why not just look at it and go search it? And what do you know? They look inside and find a candy wrapper. <gasps> <gasps> not him snacking at 3 a.m. Wow. <laughs> And being that like, they, real being like I'm stuck here. I gotta eat rapper. Like, how Larry's a Southern Belle, but Patrick is that truck driver from SpongeBob. I don't. Oh my god! I have to. I have to deliver the episode. It can't be asthmatic. Okay, sorry. No, it's okay. But what's interesting about this is it's the same like candy wrapper that was found in Pamela's home. Like it had been recently eaten and opened. Wait, okay. This is throwing me for a loop. Okay. So what what do you mean? So in Pamela's home she had this drawer full of candy and they're like, oh this is the same wrapper, same kind that Pamela has in her home. Oh she just also had that same type of candy. Not yes. not that candy came from inside her house and that specific one they knew before was there and then got moved. It's like they saw, oh, a matching set. Of- yes. Okay. I understand. And it all starts to make a little bit more sense when they match up the factory numbers that I guess were printed on it, which means they were made at like the same place and same time. Oh, I love when they can do that. So they- It's like the boy in the box when they match the blanket. Oh like, my God. Oh, cool. <laughs> so good and so that. smart. So yeah. they're able to see that the one in his car is the one from that specific like box that she had in her home. Oh my gosh. But still, like, who really gives a <laughs> what does that mean? You know? I wait, they need why a did little I just bit more. Get so up about candy? Why did I let you take me on <laughs> that trip? <laughs> but it tells him that I was like, no, he didn't snack at 3 a.m. out of her candy box. I mean, maybe he was just eating because he was stressed. He just found a dead body and oh, he was really? like <laughs> Let me take this. Where's the nearest binge? That's what I would do. I know. And so they're like, okay, we need a lot more clues just to go off of this. And they interview both men at the police station. They need more. Okay. This is where they're going to get it. Both Patrick and Larry had what looked like blood on their clothes. Okay, but Patrick put himself in the position that that is okay. Because he shook her. Correct. Patrick's clothes in particular also had a leaf on his shirt. (gasps) And... the woods! <laughs> Patrick Listen. was in the woods. Patrick also had specific types of vegetation stuck to his shoe, and that just means, like, plants and grass and Uh-huh. But other than that, I mean, that's it. He could have gotten that literally, like, anywhere, I know our really. girls from Forensic Files are putting this together. <laughs> they know exactly what Everyone that Everyone at Forensic came. Files is suddenly all female. <laughs> our girls. Our girls. <laughs> they're mostly men, but yeah, they're my but girls. Like, they're the girls. They're the gals. And All right, gals, let's get st- this. <laughs> the gals have first <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. There's still nothing incriminating enough to jump out or say who did what or even, like, who was there to commit the crime, really? Right. So the police are starting to have, like, a couple of suspects now. They're thinking about the ex-husband Mike, Larry, and Patrick, but those are really the only men they have in their sights. Mm-hmm. Mike says he was out with friends at the time, so he's cleared. Larry flat out denied involvement, but, like, what does that even mean? And Patrick <laughs> does, too. Okay, that's something that the perp would do. 
Right, and both... Like, not they're not going to be like, yes, I was involved, but I didn't do it. Yeah. Just would deny altogether. No one's going to fess up. Mm, and both Larry and Patrick do that. Right. They're stumped, the officers are a little stumped, until they question the parents a little bit more. <gasps> Here we go. Because every little hiccup and every piece of this puzzle was finally going to start making sense. All right, so now they're questioning the parents. What's next? Everything. Everything's next. Every, like, little story starts pouring out. And, I mean, the floodgates literally open. I mean, at least it did for me when I finally, like, heard what was going on. And I'm like, oh, everything is clicking. But they thought it was Mike, no? They thought it was Mike when they were first asked. But when they're, like, pulled back in, they say besides Mike, they definitely believe Patrick had committed the murder. Patrick had been harassing Pamela at work. Oh, I could have smelled this from a mile away. On the phone. Him driving up yeah. to her house and being like, the porch light is on. That is not an invitation, Patrick. Just don't come in. Creepy like, what? stalker, basically. He had I'm been, sure. like, calling her, harassing her on the phone for six months. And it turned out Pamela had even called the cops to report him <gasps> a few months back. But there was nothing they can do since he hadn't committed, like, an actual crime. So did no one, like, take the report then? Like, was there no evidence of that? The police couldn't have found that before? I don't, I don't think they did. I think they just got lucky that the parents even mentioned it. I mean, of course, they could have looked into Patrick's records and see that he has some suspicious stuff that we will get into later on. Okay. But other than that, I mean, they don't have anything hard to, like, get him on, you know? Mm-hmm. Pamela's pastor even got a call from her a few months back, like, before the murder, obviously. <laughs> And Pamela was reportedly very... Well, I don't know. Before the murder? <laughs> before Obviously. the murder. Obviously. Well, because I said a few months back, and I'm like, before the murder, kind of like... I know, but you're like, his pastor got a call from Pamela before the murder, obviously. Oh. But I'm like, I don't know. Maybe she was calling him from the great beyond. Oh, my God. <gasps> if anyone was... The pastor would be the one to get that call, no? No, I want to let the record show that this call came when Pamela was still alive. Pre-mortem. Yeah. Pamela was reportedly very scared and could not think straight, and the pastor said she was basically, like, a wreck. Pamela said that Patrick was insistently asking her out, even though she was turning him down every single time. Patrick would reportedly stop by her house unannounced and just, like, do chores around her house to try and, quote, win her over. Oh, no. And it becomes very clear that he had an obsession. Okay, so I do remember you saying, though, that the men didn't know about each other. How was she engaged to Larry and he didn't know about Patrick? Well, Larry says Pamela never told him anything. Like, at most, she would say someone was, like, taunting her. Okay, I'm not trying to point the finger or call anybody a horrible fiancé, but... I mean, it's definitely... If your fiancé is telling you, I'm being taunted by someone, wouldn't you be like, hey, you want to tell me a little bit more about that? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you want to, like, talk a little bit more? I he should have asked more follow-up questions i know and it makes me question whether a he just like never followed up with her about it i mean like even something so little as that or it makes me think that maybe pamela just didn't make it seem so serious well that's true too because maybe i don't know you never think that someone is gonna be dangerous if it's from a quote loving place even like obviously like you and i know how dangerous stalking can be because like we live for this and we read a lot about it but I feel like it would be very easy to just think like oh well he likes me so much like it's kind of harmless even if it's a stalking situation if it's from a place of quote love 
you're not gonna think you it's don't gonna... think it's dangerous exactly like even think on like a smaller scale of like friends now who you probably know who have like that one guy that's obsessed with them that's like literally downright crazy and you're yeah. like that's so weird you know yeah. so I can imagine something like this too that like it translates a little bit where you're like I don't think it's like you don't think everybody is Joe from you yeah exactly you really don't and you're only gonna tell like I mean, sure, she told her pastor, but that's, like, a different relationship entirely, obviously. Yeah, but of course. It's definitely hard to... It's hard. Police get to work on nailing this son of Yes. Investigators focus on different types of grass that were found on his shoe, and when asked, Patrick claims he was, like, running across our lawn and, like, got stuck in the ditch, so this is why there is grass in his shoe. But police actually reach out to the University of Minnesota for a taxonomist. And that's an expert in living organisms. Mm-hmm. And it's here that we meet Dr. Anita Chalowa. She found lawn grass, crabgrass, and seeds that grow on weeds. And she thought this was originally suspicious because it's really rare for people to let weeds grow out that long to the point of sprouting seeds. She was like, if this was just oh. on a lawn or something, you it would mow would it. Mowed. Yeah. Exactly. So this tells her, like, he was in a wooden area. Right, or, like, at least just, like, not somewhere that anyone's tending to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They also found seeds from an aspen tree. Keep that in mind. I don't know what to do with yeah, that, but okay. But, yeah. <laughs> Here it is, it is in my hands, an aspen tree. <laughs> the combination of both of those, which is, like, really the key or crucial points I took away from this was the aspen tree and the seeds that grow on weeds, is that Patrick wasn't just on some normal like grass like we said he was in a very wooded area which does not match up with his story at all i'm wondering when he went to his truck to eat that candy was it before or after he went to the woods because i wonder if if he went back to his truck to eat that candy after he was in the woods would they have found the dirt in his car Mm. you know what i mean it's just me no that's a task but but it's a good point though when they looked at patrick's home there were no weeds there was no aspen tree so, like, where could this have come from? Well, Dr. Chalwa was able to find... Okay, wait, this is so cool. Dr. Chalwa was able to find the specific wooded area near Pamela's home that grew these two types of um, vegetation. So, the seeds from the weeds and the aspen tree. And what's crucial is that she pointed out, like, the exact same spot where the gun and knife were found. Oh, my God. Is she a hound dog or what? I mm, I was like, you better freaking get it. She was so good. (laughs) Love that. She says also that the seeds specifically wouldn't stick to his clothes or shoes if they had been old. Right, because they would have dried up and fell off. Exactly. She's like, this had to have been recent. During the dew, probably. (gasps) During the dew. During the dew. They analyzed the blood and Patrick said, you know, he shook Pamela to see if she was alive. Like, that's why it's on him. Right. That was so convenient. But. According to Barton Epstein, who was a forensic scientist on the case, um, the blood staining specifically was, quote, more consistent with him coming in contact with a large amount of Pamela's blood on his pants leg and stains consistent with spatter found on him. So. Okay. So he was near her when she was being stabbed. Exactly. Well, and also, not for nothing, okay, she was laying on the bed when he found her, let's say. He goes to shake her. Why would there be blood on his pants? You know what I mean? Like, I could understand it being on his shirt or something. Or, like, if he's wearing a long sleeve and his shirt sleeve touched it. But why would it be on his pants? Exactly. It's suspicious. 
also the size and shape of the blood stains, it like it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. They said you could look at the blood stain pattern on the wall and determine the site where the impact took place. So they determined that she was attacked on the bed and it shot somewhere else. Okay, like onto the ceiling board on the headboard and the ceiling. Okay, they ended up finding like I think four or five stains just straight up on the ceiling, and they could tell by his pants and the blood on his shirt that he had to have been near her when all of that happened. Wow. And that's just like the easier version of it without getting too technical with it. But this is reminding me of the forensics in the Donna Winger case, where like. The husband was saying he was in one pl- spot, but the mm-hmm. blood spatter evidence said that he was in another, you know? It's so cool, because it's like, these idiots don't even think of that. Right. But like, you could literally tell from where you are that you're clearly were in that same position. And I'm sorry, but, like, this crime specifically was so hastily committed. Like, the fact that there were the, the phone calls were two minutes apart... So, like, there was no time for him to even consider, oh, my God, does it look wrong on my clothes? Like, exactly. He was just running about. and like I'm sorry, but that's what you get when you murder someone. You mm-hmm. might be in a rush about it, and you might mess yourself up. Like- so, like I said before, they found bullet holes on the floor near the foyer, and they are able to tell that she was shot in the foyer, dragged upstairs, stabbed, and died from the wounds. Wait, what in the world? I know. So... They detail it um, all throughout the episode, but basically, whoever killed Pamela shot twice in the ground, shot her four times, dragged her body upstairs, and then stabbed her. Like that is so heinous. I can't even wrap my head around. Exactly. Like what is that? Is such, for lack of better words, like overkill. Like I that is, it's way too much. Mm-hmm. I agree. They also find more nails to, like, Patrick's coffin, so to speak, because they find two bloody footprints in the kitchen that matched Patrick's tennis shoes. Oh, my God. Put this away. (laughs) Another one of your catchphrases. Put this away. It also comes out that one week earlier, Pamela had lost her house keys and had considered changing her locks. I know who has them. Who? Patrick. Exactly. In his truck, no less. Did they find them in his truck? (gasps) Next to the candy. Literally. And so they're like, this was a planned attack. I mean, they also see that Patrick called his ex to get his twenty-two caliber handgun back because he wanted to, quote, go hunting. And they found the shells in his home and they collected it and matched it with the ones that were found at the scene. So what are we still doing talking about this? (laughs) It's Patrick, no? Don't tell me it, it was is, Larry no, somehow. Imagine if I was like, you would think it's Larry. <laughs> no, it is. All this talking I did about Larry, Larry, man, I just have to say sorry. <laughs> but I mean, that's the way the officers were looking at him. That's the way you have yeah. to like look at I stuff mean, like this. I mean, unfortunately, that's the way it goes because most of the time it is the fiance. Mm-hmm. Some months before the murder, um, the two had actually been carpooling, Patrick and Pamela, because if you remember, they worked together. Mm-hmm. But Pamela ended like uh, canceling that. She's like, I don't want to ride with you anymore because she felt uncomfortable in his presence. Oh, poor Pamela. And soon after that, she began getting all these harassing phone calls, which she believed to be from Patrick, which 
it, it 100% was. I wonder if this, like, started to escalate because he found out she was engaged. I, my dumb I didn't even click with that. I 100% agree because it was recent, too. Yeah. Like, it doesn't say how far back, but she recently had said yes. Right. I agree. Oh, my God. This is crazy. Pamela told her pastor of all her fears and... She said that she didn't want to go to the police because she was afraid he would retaliate. I don't know if that's because of Patrick being a supervisor and her being a secretary, maybe, mm-hmm. or just afraid that he would re- retaliate himself out of anger. I mean, I think either way, she's very right to be concerned about him because clearly, like, look what happened. And it's just so sad that um, she never was able to, I don't know, separate, like, the consequences versus what could have because obviously she didn't think that she was going to be killed so it's sad that she wasn't able to say like would i rather he get a little mad at me for going to the police or would Mm. i rather the you know no one ever thinks it's going to get to that point that is so devastating that it did and that's what's so sad with cases like these like stalking cases like these domestic violence cases it's that you really don't like you're choosing the lesser of two evils always and it's so sad that you don't even have like and sometimes there is no option. Like, they, exactly. you don't get the choice sometimes. Exactly. Pamela refused to tell her supervisors at work because she was afraid they would think she was crazy, which is devastating as well. I mean, also in the 90s, a woman in the workforce was not really super, like, protected. So... A hundred percent. I don't blame her at all for, for having reservations about that. Neither do I. Also, it comes out that the bar Patrick was at that night that a waitress had a weird like encounter with him. She approached him to like pay for the drinks he had left at his table and he grabbed her arm tightly and he was like, what else do I get this $5 for? Like trying to insinuate she should like do something else for the money. What in the world? He was just overall like a bag of flaming pile of It sounds like it. A few years earlier, Patrick was also involved in eight assault cases with other women and a suspect in a previous murder. Oh, my God. So they're really thinking that this rejection of Pamela and now also thinks the proposal, I think, really enabled. Mm -hmm. I don't even want to use the word enabled. It triggered him probably into being the monster that he already was. Mm -hmm. It just resurfaced for him because his new obsession just like broke things off. 100%. The official story that they pieced together, that they pieced together with all the evidence is that Patrick entered the home at 11 p.m. when Pamela was asleep. He ran to the hallway and she could hear someone was there because she was in the foyer and there was a confrontation. He fired twice into the floor to scare her. The next four shots hit her. He dragged her body up to the bed and stabbed her to death, which is what caused the blood spattering on the ceiling, his clothes, and just all over the headboard. It also comes out that he did stay and, like, drink soda, eat her candy, just, like, I don't know. That is so depraved. Exactly. For this person that he had feelings for. It's just, it just shows you that, like, people like this are truly, like, not well. Not capable of any kind of, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but, like, not capable of any kind of remorse or 
authentic love feelings because he probably thought that she like I mean when you're a stalker you don't think you don't love that person you think Mm -hmm. that whole time that you love that person and and it just shows you how like twisted cases like this can be honestly and how they can really escalate and it's just sad because there all there's all these accounts of him doing this before and like just it's hard to fathom what to do what laws to set up but it's like something has to be done Mm -hmm. and that's why I really wanted to do this case because I think awareness above all is just the best thing you could do know your options know what you can do know what's in the laws and just Mm -hmm. like be knowledgeable yeah gain knowledge I have these links in our um notes set up of just different links of just what it means to what is stalking in the law what is considered as attack what's harassment just these simple terms that legally can like you know put someone away and not for nothing this took place in the 90s when we weren't as protected by the law in the workplace but nowadays if this type of thing happens you are protected in the workplace if you report someone that is an abuser or a stalker or anyone that's making you feel slightly uncomfortable or that you can't get your job done there are so many options now a hundred percent and you find that hr number you call it and like tell someone right so like we were saying that little Patrick left the wrapper on his seat and got stuck on the ditch on his way out so like we were saying he had to like come up with this whole alibi of oh I was there I shook her I did this I did that but it's like no you how foolish was he this is literally the sweetest karma God was like Mm -hmm. no you don't you are staying right there and you are gonna get caught for this that the fact that her son wasn't there I mean like obviously this whole thing is tragic in itself but it's like Oh my traumatizing. God. Patrick was actually in the house when Larry was there and he hid in the basement. So maybe he was making noise and Larry was Larry like, Larry must have heard him. And exactly. that's why he was so nervous to stay. Exactly. So when Larry left, he went to, um, Patrick went. Yeah. When Patrick went, he went to go like dispose of evidence. Cause he wasn't expecting her body to be found so soon, which explains the throwing of the gun under the floorboards, the stabbing of the knife into the ground. Like, what was that? I'm sorry. What in the f- That guy is so depraved. Seven months after Pamela's death, Patrick did go on trial for first-degree murder, and the forensic evidence alone helped convict him. He's guilty, and he is in prison for life. Yes. But, oh. Sorry. Yeah. I did read some articles that said he was up for parole in 30 years. Absolutely Which not. I'm like, I don't know what, whether it was appealed or if maybe I'm stupid, maybe life in prison in being you could be in parole. In 30 years being as, like, now-ish. Yeah. <sighs> I couldn't find any recent articles detailing, like... I'll find them. If he was... <laughs> Period. <laughs> we will keep this yeah. man behind bars. I'm sorry, but I... There is just a bad taste in my mouth because this man killed somebody and then ate candy. Exactly. And it's like... I'm sorry. The the least <laughs> of your worries is your little hungry tummy. Yeah. Like, and to drink soda, I'm like, I hope your gums rot. Oh, I hope he got so many mm-hmm. cavities. Ugh. And you know what? There's not a lot of stuff you can do for your dental habits. Ha- oh. ha- yeah, dental habits in prison. <laughs> Ugh, I'm so mad I can't even form statements anymore. But it was clear to everyone in the jury that they took less than four hours to decide he was guilty. 
Good. Like, good. It took me five minutes. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can catch us on Instagram at the Chalkline Pod, Twitter at the Chalkline Pod, and follow along with our YouTube channel. The link is in our Instagram bio. Tune in next Thursday for another story.